What's up, everyone? This is Brian Ward, host of the Data Podcast, the podcast show for dads, about dads, being dads. I'm super excited that you're here and for the guests that I have on the show today. But before we get to the interview, if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you smash that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Also, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. The link is in the show notes. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. Today, I have a, uh, somebody who's, who I was actually fortunate enough to be on her podcast a long time ago, uh, and we finally got a chance to connect and have her on my podcast, uh, but I'm excited to have her on. Cher, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a great time to be on your show, um, and I'm excited for us to dive into conversation. Awesome. So obviously, as you viewers are watching this, she's not a dad, but she's a mom and she's got a lot of lot of things in the air that she's juggling right now, not only from the stuff that she's doing as a, as a school counselor, but she's an author, she's a speaker, she's a podcaster, she's a wife, and more importantly, she's a mom. So I thought it was a good time to have her on because there's a lot of things in the world and society today that not only our kids are facing, but us as adults are facing. So we're going to dive into all that stuff right now. And um, but for my listeners who may not know who you are, a little bit of back history. Let's let's kind of go back in your in your story and tell my listeners who you are, how you grew up, how you've gotten to where you are today. And then obviously this is a podcast about our kids. So your kids as well. Well, um, like I said, my name is Cher Kretz. I have uh, been a mother for many, many years. My oldest one is 25. I can't believe it. And the time flies by. But I've been a school counselor for the past 19 years. And within that realm, I've done many parenting seminars, many one-on-one meetings with parents. And, um, And my heart throughout the years of school counseling, even though my client is the student, my heart started leaning more and more towards what's happening in the family and how what is happening in the family has a direct correlation to everything that's happening in the child's life. Uh, I can have the most wonderful counseling session ever. And the moment they walk in the door of their home, anything that may have been helpful can be taken away with just one sentence that a parent would say. And with that thought in mind, I started my podcast, Parenting with a Focused Mindset, And I took the type of counseling that I do with this, which is solution-focused counseling, and I attempt to put it in a perspective that any parent can understand how they can be more solution-focused, how they can look at the place that they're going rather than maybe where they've been in a way that it also could help their child do the same thing. And uh, through each and every episode, we hit different topics that can help parents be able to that continue on their journey. And through that, I began to do lots of coaching with families and realize that there really isn't a lot of places parents can go where they can get solution-focused products or they can feel like they can focus on solutions. And so I started writing and my most recent uh, journaling book that I wrote has, it's more of an interactive book to help uh, anybody really, not only parents build up hope And that came from all the research that I started um, doing based around the subject of hope. Uh, I went to a training seminar last year in my school counseling practice that talked about how hope is the largest predictor of success, even above test scores. If a child shows on a hope scale that their hope is low, 
then it's very difficult for them to conquer any of the challenges that they're trying to face, whether it be in their sport, in uh, spelling, in their writing practices, whatever they're planning on doing, even in friendships. So after that research, I wrote an interactive journaling book to help people grow the hope in their life, learn how to identify what their hopes are and not shy away from them and then spring forward towards them. So that's kind of where I'm at today. And I was so excited to be here today to just to talk to your listeners about all of that. Awesome. Uh, and you, and uh, how about your kids? I know you have uh, a that's daughter. Right. I have three girls. Three and, girls. Uh, I, yes, I'm mom of girls. And uh, my husband and I have been married for 30 years. Oh, wow. And Congratulations. Girls, thank you. And our girls are Actually, I believe she's turned 26 and a 22. And then my youngest is 14. So oh, she cool. just started her freshman year. She's uh, in volleyball. And I feel like I'm always on the volleyball court. That's where I live now, cheering her on <laughs> in her wonderful volleyball that she's in. So, um, you know, it's parent, like you said, parenting is the most important job. But when we are accomplishing what we accomplish in life, it all just seems to go hand in hand, hopefully, too catapult our kids forward in their life, doesn't it? So that's the most rewarding thing. That's awesome. Wow. Three girls. I got two boys. They're both, you know, 20, my oldest is about to be 24. My youngest is 21. Uh, I, my wife would love to have girls. Uh, we all, she always wanted to have a girl, but, uh, you know, God bless us with two boys and, and we took it and ran with it. So, uh, we have enough nieces in our family that, uh, that keeps my wife busy with the, with the girls. So eventually she can be a grandma to girls. It's all good. <laughs> right. That's what she keeps pushing for. I told her to slow down. <laughs> um, Event, eventually. <laughs> right. Right. Um, well, very cool. So obviously you started, um, you got this book going now it's a journal. Um, let's, I want to, let's start with that. I want to dive into a little bit of that because I think it's important. Um, you know, we talk, I, I talk a lot on my show about, uh, dads in general, uh, journaling, working on journaling, whether it's in the morning or in the evening, just, you know, I do it a little bit in the morning, just one or two notes that I keep, uh, I kind of helps me when I first wake up, just kind of clear my head to kind of get my day started. So for dads, I tell them, Hey, you know what, get your thoughts down on paper. Journaling helps you kind of clear your mind, helps you relax you. It really does help relax you. So yeah. um, let's talk about your 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 book and, and the, the effects that it's having uh, as far as journaling goes. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I'm, I, I do so much other writing in uh, my blog and then just writing a larger book. But it was through, like I said, the interaction that I was having with families that made me realize that here I am sending them things to journal about. And I was constantly saying, you know, write a little bit about this. And that was when I started to be really inspired to say, you know, let me write, let me produce some journals that also have a little bit of my writing sprinkled in there that can put people on a journey. So when they have a little bit of brain block and they're going like, oh, I don't, what am I supposed to write about? Well, if something they've been struggling with is hope, they can choose this, um, this journal. And some people think, well, what do you mean? I always have hope, but sometimes our, our hopelessness can come in the fact where we start to second guess the things that we were always meant to do or what we should do. And we think, well, we're not good enough. Well, I'll just save that for somebody else. Um, I'm not going to dive into that. Or it can even be as simple as having a tough conversation with our kids. We can talk ourselves out of it when your voice is the voice that they need to hear. When you were put in their life for that very reason to have the conversation that was laid on your heart. And we shy away from it. And it all, some of it boils down to that we don't have hope that it's going to make a difference. 
we don't have any evidence that that could be true. And, um, and so it's not as much being like that, Hey, you know, I'm a hopeful person, but what are the things that you hope to accomplish? And when you do hope to accomplish them, do you pinpoint them and write them down? So then they can become real, not only in your mind, but in the world. I feel as though writing things down is really the first step of us telling our brain, this means something, this matters. This is something I'm taking seriously. There was never a business that was ever made that there wasn't a game plan first. Mm -hmm. There was never any successful uh, union. Even in, in marriage, we have our contract that we write down, we both sign. You know, whatever it is that we walk into, having it in writing is important. And so why, why not put that into the realm of our own personal life to say, I'm going to be bold enough to write down some of these things and let myself get in a flow state of writing down and then reviewing it and saying, what are the things that point that are, are shining to me that I know that I need to lean into more and then write about that again. And then allowing that to be the catalyst of how you can, uh, see the things that you need to be more hopeful towards and then move in that direction. Now, as far as uh, journaling those things or writing those things down, and you're talking about hope and all that, but I, I, I think it really helps our, I'm talking about kids in general, but it really helps our kids to work on goal setting, right? Working on writing goals to accomplish things that we want to get. We have hopes and dreams that we want to accomplish, uh, but without writing them down, it's just, it's just a thought. So you're right. So writing those things down in like your workbook that you that you've um, come out with, it's kind of helping them practice goal setting, and that would be helpful to them later in life. I think so, and I think even more so, it helps them internalize the goals that they actually want to do. Because in school and a lot of times in life, we're kind of accidentally giving them, you know, you need to accomplish this, you need to accomplish this, and they are kind of given a list of things that they need to accomplish. And then they feel the pressure that, oh, I guess that needs to become my goal. If I walk into a classroom per se, talking to a, a group of students and I ask them, you know, what would you like to be successful at? Well, on the surface, they know all the answers. They're going to be like, oh, well, I want to do better at reading. And I want to hope to, you know, graduate high school and get my diploma and then go to college. But it doesn't really hit home until they make it personal. So a lot of times writing helps us to really get in touch with the personal side of it and make it ours. Because if we don't take ownership of the process, then it can really lie flat. Um, right. it, is it something that the society has told us or is it something that we have internalized? And sometimes the difference between that is saying, okay, now I'm gonna write on the subject of, let's say being a, a larger part of my child's life. Um, of course, I'm going to read to them every night. I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna do the other. Those are all great goals. But journaling allows us to be like, what difference is it going to make when that happens? What difference is it going to make in my child's life? What difference is it going to make in my life? What benefit is it to me and the memories that I create? And then we expand our why, our reason for doing the very things that we do. And then it is goal setting, but I would say it's goal setting in more of a personal way, which is really huge right. because too many times we make a list lists can easily be broken, right. but something that's in our heart, not so easily broken. Yeah. And is your um, workbook, is it, um, is it for parents and kids to do together? Is it individual? Is it both? 
Yeah, I've used, it's more of a personal journal, but I've used it also uh, in, I have some people that have done it with their older children, um, too much younger, and you'd probably need to talk it out with them because it is some higher level of, uh, it's designed basically for your own personal growth. So it goes through what you could do with any age group, uh, what I call a GPS life system. First, you gather all of your information on the way that you're thinking about things without judgment. And you just write down, what is it that's actually in my heart, in my mind? What are things I gravitate towards? What are things that, and don't judge it at all. It's not like you're saying, oh, wait a minute, that was a wrong thought. There's no wrong or right thought. Our thoughts aren't meant to be judged in that type of way. And then we move on to the planning with purpose phase, where um, in the book, I guide you to go ahead and rate where you're at as far as your hopes with those things. What is your intention for the day? And then journal about what are the things, what what are the things that are going to happen in your life when these things come true? Because again, it's a lot about envisioning why, the reason why you would do the things that you would do. And then the last phase is SOAR. The S in GPS stands for SOAR. And it allows us not to get stuck in that planning phase and to say, I'm going to launch forward and I'm going to take steps forward. It only takes one step forward to be moving in the right direction. And so I go through uh, some writing prompts of saying, how can you be your best cheerleader? And what can you do? What's the very next thing that you can do that can lead you closer to the life that you truly want? And then holding yourself accountable for making that step. And like I said, being your own cheerleader. So that's kind of the whole, the process of the 30 days. And I found that in about 30 days, you can get through that process and then you repeat that process. And before you know it, you're moving in a different direction. You can help your kids move in a different direction, but it definitely is designed for somebody who says, you know, I want to make a difference in a different type of way, but sometimes I just don't really believe that I can do it. And my hope seems low and they can dedicate some time to themselves to, to make that happen. Oh, that's cool. I think that's a great idea. I think it's a great um, concept and I think it would be very, very useful for not only parents and kids and, and also together as a family to, to do that as well. So uh, that's awesome. Um, you're talking a lot about hope now. And as we know, we're coming up to the end of this terrible pandemic that we've gone through and a lot of hope during the last two and a half years or whatever it's been has, you know, been lost, been struggling. Uh, with people, uh, not only with parents, but with kids in general. Do you have, did you find a lot of students coming to you with, with struggles of going through uh, the pandemic and what it's, what it's done to them and their family? Um, you hit the nail on the head. I really, truly did. And I could have chose a lot of different topics to do a journal on, but time and time again, I would have kids sitting with me. And even if they're in second grade, third grade, um, they would just say, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. And it was in a different type of way. It wasn't as if they were telling me they can't, but it was like, they truly couldn't find within them the ability to believe that they could go forward. I am not sure how, but I know that it is all connected to the time that we spent uh, grounded and how our life was completely shaken and thrown completely off course. Because then I began to sit with parents and they would say the same thing. They would say, I don't even know. I don't even know if I can do it. I don't even know if I should do it. I don't even know if what I thought I was going to be doing in my life is what I should be doing anymore. And I don't even know if I'm doing this parenting thing right. And, and 
those are the type of thoughts that maybe they were thinking before the pandemic, but everyone was just kind of moving right. and they didn't have, but now because of being so shaken and everything being stopping now, they're like, well, gosh, if I can't even trust that I can walk into the store without getting sick or, you know, whether I'm going to uh, have, you know, it's just, it shook every bit of our hope for the future because all of a sudden we had no idea what that would be. We couldn't look and predict it like we thought we could before. Now, we're never in control anyway, but we have a little, uh, a, a kind of like a, a belief that we're in control. But this shook us because we realized how out of control we can really feel in a blink of an eye. So as we heal, right, what happens is our mind begins to unwind and then our mind begins to settle and then we see the results because now we're not in the realm of just trying to react, react, react. And the result is uh, we're not in the same place mentally that we were. Um, many of us struggle with things that we weren't struggling with before. And I feel as though it's best for us just to be kind to ourselves and honest with the fact that there's a little gap there that we went through a very hard time and then say, but if hope can grow and it can be learned, then what can I do today to get me closer to a place where I can believe in the things that I need to believe in for my life? to be able to move forward. Um, I know many people who completely walked away from their faith. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they had a strong relationship with what they felt with uh, their church family and their friends and with the Lord. And, uh, and because of not being able to fellowship regularly and all of these things coming out in the media and all these, all these different types of um, beliefs that were being thrown their way, um, they, they walk away from the very thing that was grounding them. And, um, and that's one reason why I wanted to separate hope away from maybe a hope of heaven or religion is to say that is also proof that hope is faded with many of us. It's the very feeling that we can believe in the things that we used to always believe that would be true. People that have stopped playing instruments, people that have stopped doing their sport, people that have um, given up on a dream of writing or a dream of what they might do in their career because college was thrown for a loop. It's in every facet we find that if we could just build up a little bit of hope, people can begin to say, okay, it, I might not know what the future is going to hold, but I'm going to take that step. I'm going to take that step forward and I'm going to allow myself to release my inhibitions. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, when I think back to the last two years, I, I do agree with everything that you're saying. There's a, there have been a lot of things that have happened in our society, in the world that has really um, kind of thrown us through a loop. And whether it's going out in public and you're being fearful of getting sick or, you know, whatever the case may be. But I think that this pandemic has actually caused us to find ways to be more uh, social, more interactive with people. Uh, we're not so much being able to be face to face because of what we're going through. But the fact is we have now zoom has just taken off. Right. And that was because of the pandemic. Um, so, and the fact that our kids can't go out and see their friends because they're stuck at home and they just, they, they're not allowed to go out. Uh, now it's caused us as parents to be more 
interactive with our kids and find things to do together as a family in the home. So I think there's yeah. been, I think there's been a ton of benefits to the, to the pandemic. And I've actually, even though it was kind of a pain in the butt to go through it, the fact is we've learned a lot of things from it and it's helped in so many ways, so many more ways than people actually realize. But what you're speaking of is perspective, right? I mean, really that's the perspective shift that we all have the ability to do. But some people, um, and, and I admit, you know, I'm a school counselor. I'm going to see that sect of people that are struggling, right? Mm-hmm. But I think there's even that other people that are never going to go talk to someone that are still, still struggling. And it's amazing what you just said, because we can shift our mindset to saying, wait a minute, if there's all of this set of things that we're struggling, what are the, what's the set of things that were amazing? What are the things that we learned from it? What are the things that we can build on from that? Now, I started my podcast right when the pandemic started. I was like, you know, I had all the equipment. I had every, I'd already bought in the microphone. I had already literally written down a hundred topics to talk about, right? And I was just sitting on it, doing nothing. Why? Because I was like so busy in my life. And right when the, they, I got the email saying, you guys are going off. And of course, we thought it was going to be a month, maybe. Right. You know? <laughs> um, but I thought right away, I knew the voice in my head said, all right, where's your excuse, honey? Do it. <laughs> you know? right. And I, and, and so it was an amazing shift in where I went that has completely changed the way that I approach my life in general, because of the way it's expanded my mind. Now that I have this podcast, as you can uh, attest to, it really shifts things. Now that is something that I might never think about or remember if I get bogged down with all the other things that also happened because of the pandemic, you know, there we had, it's all 50, 50, right? So it sounds to me like what you're saying is like, let's change our perspective to remember Mm -hmm. that some of this stuff was put in our life and there was good that came from it. And let's lean into that. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying. And I think that, uh, you know, kids in general, I, I I think about stories that I've had dads that have come to me and go, Brian, what do I do? I can't get my kid off the video games. He's, you can't go see his friends. He's stuck. He will not get away from the video games. What, what am I supposed to do with him? And I've told him, why don't you play video games with him? Let him teach you how to play video games. That's something that you guys can do together where it creates this bonding time. You guys can chit chat. He can show you how to play video games or he can kick your butt in a basketball game on the, you know, on a, on a video game, do something fun together, just let him enjoy it, but you enjoy it along with them. So it's all about, like you said, all about changing your perspective on how you're looking at it. Now that the pandemic has kind of lightened up, there's other ways for us. Now we've learned that there's so many new tools that we have uh, at our, at our fingertips that we can grasp onto. And now everybody's trying to get back to the normalcy of their life before the pandemic. And that concerns me because from a parenting perspective, that tells me, okay, if they get back to their normal life again, what's that going to do to the family dynamic? And when I think of you as a school counselor, you're probably starting to see some signs of that with the kids that you meet with. Maybe so, maybe not. Um, but if you if you have a student that maybe comes to you and they're struggling with the connection and the human connection or the communication with their family or another friend, what, how, what kind of advice do you give them at this point? Well, I am thinking about how, as we move back into our activities, that we know that it's important that our child is in their sports and their music activities and their 
weekly, uh, you know, youth groups or whatever they're involved in. And the fear is that we get so busy that we miss the connection piece that we Mm -hmm. were so easily able to uh, grasp and notice when we were in the time of the pandemic. And, um, and I think that that's going to take a deliberate effort on all of our parts to be able to say before we get, as we get, I would, I don't even want to say before, as we get busier with the things that are also important that we missed, what is it that we don't want to lose, um, from that time? And I think about how many families were saying, well, we're sitting down with dinner or we're making bread together or we're making, we're creating together, we're laughing together. And those are things that we're now going to need to put in on purpose. If we remember a memory that was special during that time and it had to do with bonding, well, then remember that bonding time is equally as important now as it was then, if not more so. And I find that we need to capture those rides in the car. You know, the times when we could just turn on the music We have two or three questions lined up that we want to ask, even funny and silly questions that we take the time to turn off the noise and let our child ramble about whatever they want to ramble about. Um, We need to look at our day and not say, oh, no, you know, now we're so busy, but say, how can we create a day where connection is important? And, and some fathers, oh my gosh, now that they have to go back to work, I had actually ironically met with a father the other day who um, was home and then his job was across the state and now he's finally moving back. And he's like, um, you know, I don't really know how to reconnect with my child because I've been away for all of this time. And we talked about how we might do that. But the interesting thing is, is that we never really have to go through a time of feeling disconnected if we utilize our, 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 uh, you know, what we have here with our, you know, we can play video games, interactive video games with our kids. We can jump on Xbox. We can laugh with them that way. We can jump on a zoom call. We can send emails. When my, when I have a child come in and they're wanting to share the toughest things with their parent, I tell them, write an email and they're like, mom and dad. And I'm like, yes, write an email to your mom and dad. And before you know it, they're like, And then they can shoot that off. Now, a parent who recognizes the importance of our social world being just as much online as it is face-to-face these days should take that as a treasure if their child wants to communicate with them through text, through email, through whatever it is. So I think that what you're speaking to, and it's true, we need to expand what it means to connect and then do that. Be true to your moment of choice and do the things you need to do to be able to stay connected with your child because it means everything to them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what, thinking about connection and the connection that we have with our kids, you as a mom with three girls, I mean, the connection there is great, but your husband may not have that same type of connection. How does your husband bond with your kids or have the connection with the girls? Because for you, it's easy. For you, yeah. it's easy, but for, for him, care. it may, it, for him, it might not be as, as easy. So how does a dad connect with daughters in a family? I think that, um, it's different at, depending on what age, you know, and, and also dads should give themselves a little bit of, you know, don't be too hard on yourself because your kids are going to be going through their ups and downs. There's going to be times when they're going to share with you more than they are going to other times. 
Um, and I think that some fathers that I speak to either completely shut off the relationship side or they beat themselves up about it. I see these two polarizing things. Either they're like, I'm terrible at it. I don't even know my child. Or they're like, eh, you know, I'm at work. That's handled by my wife. But for those people that are saying, how am I going to do that? Um, to me, the, and I, what I watch my husband do is he capitalizes on those moments of texting. He's the one that made the family group text that we have. And he's the one that posts funny memes in there or silly jokes, even if they're, you know, ridiculous, or he's the one that's going to post the pictures that are on there. And it's surprising how much when they see that it came from him, when they see that he was the one that thought enough about it to take that memory from his phone and put it in that group text that they talk to me and be like, oh, did you see what dad put in there? Did you see what he wrote? You know, so I think that we need to take it away from being hard on ourselves or thinking it's such a big deal and just thinking, well, what would I share with a friend? You know, I might share a silly uh, thing that I heard or something that I saw and take a quick picture of some weird uh, thing that you saw on the road or something. Why not share it with your family? Why not share it with your child? And those little things go such a long ways. I was sitting next to a father. Why was I even there? I, I, I work with parents all the time. So, oh, I, there was a father that was on our campus who was doing our watchdogs where we have fathers come on our campus and spend all day long. And he was saying, I just don't know. This is I usually I'm at work. And I said, well, does your child know what you do at work? And he says, no, he really doesn't. And I said, well, you know, you might want to sit down and talk to your child about what you do at work now that you've been able to see what he does at school. And I feel as though that's such an important piece that we miss is that I ask kids, what do your, what does your father do? And they really don't, they really, really don't. And I don't think dads realize that they don't know what the heck they do. They just disappear and come back. And I suppose it brings us money. I don't know, you know? So, um, but one of the most powerful stories that I ever uh, noticed last year with a sixth grader, there was a student that I had that was coming in and he was depressed. He was a sixth grader, very upset. He said, you know, I, I, I don't have any purpose. I don't have any drive. There's nothing I want to do in my life. And I started talking about the relationships that he had. And I realized that he had an okay relationship with which each, each of his family members. But I thought, wow, he has a long road ahead of him. Well, I didn't do anything to make this happen. I can't take any credit for this because the next month he came, he's like an entirely different child. Mm. I'm like, what is going on? And he's like, I know what I want to do for a living now, Miss Kretz. I couldn't wait for you to call me. I know what I want to do. I'm like what? He's all, I want to go repo cars like my dad does. And I'm all, you want to repo cars? And he's like, yes, because I've been going with my dad. And then they take the cars and they help the people. And I drive with my dad every Saturday to go to these places. He's all, did you know that I went to this one place? Do you know they said that they're, that, that my dad is the most fake. He's always there on time, that he never misses an appointment. He's all, I want to be like that. He said, my brothers and sisters were laughing at me because I said, I didn't want to go to the park. I want to go with my dad. And all his dad did was take him with him to work and let him see what he did. And it changed everything because who knows what he'll be when he grows up. But he saw something in his father like, this is what my dad does every day. And then somebody said something positive about his father to him. And this absolutely changed his little life. And he has a whole new vision of where he wants to be. His hope lifted just by those times. Now that father could have just easily been like, 
it's more of a pain than anything else to have my sixth grader with me, my sixth grade son with me, you know, but he chose to take him along for whatever reason. And so I think it's us getting out of our comfort zone, just saying, if we care about connection enough, then what can I do? It doesn't have to be something big. It can be a text. It can be a car ride. It can be a conversation. But once that happens, it means the world to the child. They remember it forever. So yeah. that's what I suggest. Yeah, it's you're absolutely right. And I, and I talk a lot on my show about um, the love, how kids spell love, T-I-M-E. It's just the, the time that you spend with your kids, how much they cherish it. And just that simple example of just him going to do what, you know, going to work with his dad. Uh, I've done that several times with my boys and they've come to the office with me and they've done different, you know, shredding or whatever it is. They've, they've done different filing and stuff like that. But just to spend time, they've gone, my wife's a school teacher. They've gone to school with her and they've talked to her classrooms. They talked to her students before um, about, cause they're older, you know? Um, so those little moments uh, that we can, we can take advantage of and cherish uh, our, our boys remember it. The fact that I was a coach for my boys all the way up through high school, um, the way that I was there for them as a coach, but also there for them as a father, both my boys plan on coaching when they have kids, they plan on coaching for their sons or daughters. Um, so those kind of, those kind of, um, I guess, memories or, or the bonding that you have with your kids, uh, they really do cherish it. They really do remember it. And like you said, it can be very, very simple. It could be just a car ride. It could be a text. I had a guy on my show just a couple episodes back that talked about, Hey, don't forget people, you know, send out, send out a simple text, just checking in with people just to say, hi, you'll be amazed at that's the same thing with, with our kids. Just send them a text and say, Hey, thinking about you today. Hope you're having a great day. You, you'll be amazed at the, at the impact that that will have. So that's, yeah. it's very, very good. And it's awesome that your husband's doing that. It's really cool. It's the things I noticed the biggest difference. Like you said, it's easy. It's somewhat easier for me. I developed a schedule to where I'm around the kids more, but uh, I don't think that needs to be an excuse that we can use any longer as the parent that's away more than doesn't get to have as strong of a connection. I think that we can be creative and we can think of ways that we can build our own little connection. And it doesn't have to be that you have some deep, long, you know, conversation with them. Um, it can be, it doesn't have to be a conversation. It can be, like you said, as simple as a, as a funny connecting moment. You know, the way that our brain works is anything that surprises us, we remember. Right. And so it's, it probably is that I could do a thousand billion things that's normal in their mind. And my husband does it once and they're going to remember it. And that's because that it, it's okay for it to be a surprise and be different, but do it because then they're going to be like, Oh, you know, that time that I did that with my dad, that was amazing. And that can be, and it can be the, whoever the parent is that is needing to be away for more reasons than, or now they're moving back into working in the office rather than being able to work in the next room over when we were all uh, at home. Um, rather than looking at that as, oh, well, I guess we can't now be more creative and figure out a way that you can. And it just, it's, I think it is an opportunity. I think what you said is true. I think that we can look at what we've been through in the last few years as an opportunity to grow and become better humans, better parents, and help our kids be better as well, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one last question for you. Uh, I think about this question a lot because this has really taken effect over the last couple of years, uh, just with the stuff that, you know, the society and the world has gone through. But um, if 
I were a parent and I came to you and I said, I am just, there's a massive disconnect with my child um, and me, and I can't seem to get through to them. They seem down, they seem depressed, uh, but they're not talking to me. What's the best piece of advice that you could give to, because you talk to parents. So if a dad or a mom came to you and said, Cher, I'm just having this trouble, this issue connecting with my child and they're not wanting to communicate with me. They seem like they're depressed. What is the best piece of advice you could give to a parent in that situation? There's two things I'm thinking of. One is something that the parent um, can do even just starting tomorrow and it's meeting the child where they're at. Um, it's so many times that when we see our child struggling, we want to do something for them. We want to fix it. Mm -hmm. We want to do something that'll, I'm going to put them in this thing that will fix it. Or I'm going to talk, tell them this lecture. I'm going to send them, uh, depending on their age, or I'm going to send them this YouTube. Um, but the most important thing we can do is meet them exactly where they're at and say things like, this must really feel painful to you. Or tell me about how this makes you feel and what what is this bringing up in you and then whatever they say back refuse to allow yourself to give your opinion because if a student is really struggling with deep dark emotions they are just they're just waiting to be judged by everybody for that emotion and they need to know that you're a safe place that you're a person that can uh, stop from the job, which is also an important job of a parent of training them in the way they should go and listen and truly meet them where they're at. Um, I remember a, a child that was laying flat on the cement um, and a teacher said, will you help him get up? You help him get up. He shouldn't be laying there on the cement. And rather than that, I just went and laid right there on the cement next to him. And I just, I just put my head right by his and kind of like looked and then he kind of like started peeking up and then I kind of peeked up, you know, opened my eye towards him and just that physical meeting him where he was at, he relaxed. He finally sat up. So I sat up and then finally I was able to say, Hey, what's going on? And he said, I just don't like, and then was able to communicate because I met him where he was at. And I think we both physically and mentally need to be able to meet our kids where they're at. We need to say, we need to sit in a dark room and think, what if I had all of the pressures that I can imagine my child has in their life right now, how would I feel? Um, I have parents come and say, I want my child, to, they don't, they should be able to make money. I don't understand why they're not doing their chores. And then they talk back to me and they're so rude and da, 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 da. But if they stopped with their list in their mind, and before they went and talked to their child, if you chose to take 10 minutes to do everything you can to picture what you might feel like if you were exactly where they were at, and then you approach the next conversation that you have with your child with that kind of humility and that kind of love, um, they can't help but sense it. They, they won't be able to help but say something's different about this conversation. Something's different about the way my parents coming at this. And that's a surprise. The brain will perk up because the brain will say, oh, my parents not lecturing me right now. Right. My parents not coming at me with a list of things that maybe we should do to make this right because you shouldn't be depressed. You know, they are, they're being quiet. They're waiting on me. They're 
helping me name this difficult emotion that I have. So whatever comes from that, I think that that's the number one thing that parents can do is meet a child where they're at. But the other thing is to be, uh, I guess, not so, I guess, full of yourself to think that you are the be all end all. Sometimes you need to look for another powerful adult that your child can connect with, that they can identify with. Maybe in this moment, you really aren't the person they can identify with. That's okay. That's okay for you to say, well, who else that I also respect can they can talk to? Maybe they need to spend a week with grandma. Maybe they need to spend a week with a, a cousin. Maybe they need to spend a weekend with uh, someone, uh, a couple that you guys know very well, that that person can speak into, say the exact same words that you would have said, but they say it with a different voice, with a different tone, with a different attitude. And it allows the child to relax and allows them to see something different. Don't be nervous to allow your child to speak to a school counselor. Mm-hmm. I've been trained as long as I, as long as a doctor really to, to help a child sort out very challenging emotions and to come back to you as a parent, as someone that understands where they're at and can move forward in a different type of way. So you say, okay, who else has been put in my life and in my child's life that can speak into them besides me? So uh, I think that those two, the combination of those two things can help a child to say, all right, I can move from this place because really they're the ones that are going to need to take the steps forward. We're not crawling in their body and doing that for them. So we're empowering them to be able to take the steps that I have in my book to say, all right, I'm going to gather my thoughts. I'm not going to judge myself. I'm going to take one step forward in the right direction and then see how that feels in their life and then feel the success of that. And then they can move forward a little bit more. Um, you know, success is a slow process, not a quick process. And right. that is equally as important when our child's in a dark place to remember that. Yeah. Uh, I think it's great what you said about meeting them where they're at, because I think about that with my own boys and um, you parents have to remember that our children want to be able to come home and their home is designed to be their safe space. That's the space where they can just be, they can open up and be free and speak whatever is on their heart or in their mind or going on with them in life, because they're away from you several hours during the day and you have no idea what they've gone through or what their day was like. So the fact that they can come home and open up and share with you about their day, whether it was good or bad, um, that's meeting them where they're at. And I think for my own boys in particular, they knew that essentially my door was always open to them. They could come talk to us, my wife and I, they could come talk to us about anything that was on their hearts. They, I wanted my boys, I put it in sports context because my boys played sports their whole lives, but they knew that mom and dad were on their team and they could come talk to us anytime something was bothering them. It could even be something that I did. It could even be something that my wife did that really bothered them. They have the ability and the willingness to open up and they don't feel like they're going to be judged or uh, going to get in trouble. It's their safe space. 
so I think if you have a child right now, as Cher was just saying, if you have a child right now that's going through something, meet them where they're at. You'll be amazed even just getting down to eye level with them, not standing up over them and talking to them, but getting down to eye level with them. You'll be amazed at the connection that that will make just meeting them where they're at. She used the example of laying down on the ground. I'm talking about if your child's standing and he's, you know, two feet shorter than you and you're standing up over him and you're trying to get taught, listen to him. That's not meeting him where he's at or where she's at. Get down to their eye level, meet them where at, and then shut up and listen. That's a huge, huge thing that, that parents don't realize. Like you said, mom and dad, especially mama bears, they want to fix everything. They want to jump in and hammer it to get it, get it settled because they don't want to see their child hurting. Let your child work through these issues and you just listen and then if you want to provide guidance or advice, ask their permission. That's the other thing that I do with my boys. Can I give you my, my input? Can I give you my opinion on it? Or can I give you some guidance on it? Um, so that's, that's all, all very, very good. Thank you very much for sharing that. Now, you're welcome. And I think for us too, oh, go ahead. No, I'm, go ahead. For us that have children that are young adults, uh, I run into so many parents that are saying, I feel like my children should be way further along than they are right now in their life. That's something I'm getting a lot from people that are coming to me that are, are uh, coaching. They want some coaching because their kids are in their early twenties. And I think to circle back to the two years that we've been through two, three years now, um, it has hit our early twenties the most. They were absolutely, they were about ready to launch into their adult years and were absolutely thrown a curveball that they could have never expected that they would have learned. They watched friends fall into addictions and drugs and, and uh, suicidal thoughts. They've watched other people soar when they felt like they should. Um, I know my daughter broke down one time and said, I'm nowhere near where I should be right now in my life. And of course, even with all the training I have, it was my first thought to be like, well, if you did this and this and this, maybe you'd get there, but just sit with them in it because they have really been through a lot. And it's our job to sit with them and be there in that moment and say, you know what? I know you have been, and it's okay. And you're going to pick yourself up and you're going to find your place. And there's no time frame, and there's no, we're not going to put a a timestamp on this where you haven't quote unquote met your goal. You are right where you need to be. And now let's see where you need to be in the next six months and go from here. And I think that's a really important thing for us to remember as well as many of your listeners, maybe like you and I, and are right there want, help wanting our young adults to launch into their future. And for whatever reason, mentally, physically, whatever, they're not ready yet, um, that we can have patience. And that mm -hmm. we can stand alongside him and be their cheerleader. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, my older son in particular, he's, you know, he's going to be 24 and, and he works in, he has a good career, a good job and all that, but he works at home. So there's not a whole lot of social interaction with other people. So he hasn't had the ability to go work in an office environment. He works remote. I think that's been a detriment to him because he hasn't been able to interact with everybody in a home office or I mean, in an office yeah. in a building, you know, so um, really good. That's his world though. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right. Um, if my listeners wanted to look you up, learn a little bit more about you, maybe pick up the book, best place for them to do all that. Well, my website is thefocusedmindset.com and the focused mindset. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at share at the focused mindset. Um, my TikTok and YouTube are the same. Share the focused mindset. 
And then my book is on Amazon. You can just look up 30 Days to Higher Hopes on Amazon, or my uh, page is Amazon author slash sharecrutz. And you can see all the journals that I do and the future books that I'll have on um, pre-order. And, um, and right now on my website, actually, I'm offering uh, 35 journal prompts for you guys to be able to have. It's right on my homepage if you'd like to click that. And I'd love for you to be a part of that. And we're all in this together, right? We're just joining together hand in hand and and making this thing happen, <laughs> this thing called life. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, thank you very much for that, Sherry. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you again for being on. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely uh, awesome conversation. And I'm excited to, uh, to see how things take you as far as the book goes and all that in the future. That's awesome. Uh, but thank you again for bearing on. It's been a pleasure. Uh, same. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys again for another episode of Dad Up and my good friend Cher. Make sure you guys are checking out uh, not only her Instagram, but TikTok, all that stuff. Go to her website, order the book. Um, she will absolutely change your life and the stuff that she's doing as far as uh, parenting goes. Uh, make sure you guys are checking it out. I highly recommend if you have questions for her, reach out to her. I know she will be more than happy to answer your questions, but I uh, just want to thank her again for being on. And as always, make sure you guys are subscribed to my YouTube channel and my podcast so you don't miss a single guest like Cher uh, comes on each and every week. And I look forward to seeing you all on the next episode of Data. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. Make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast and YouTube channel. And please do me a favor, leave a rating and a review. Would love to hear from you and see what you think of the show. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes each week. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Data Podcast. Mm -hmm.